everybody. Welcome to Nashville Live. For those of you who are here for the first time, my name is Alvin. I serve as lead pastor here. I uh, really enjoy the music team. Thank you all for giving your hearts and your talents to the Lord, and it's blessed us. And everybody else who serves here at Nashville Live, we've got a ton of people who make all of our services happen. We've got production up there and back there. We've got cameras. We've got kids downstairs, kids life workers. We've got parking team. You saw the guys outside. We've got our welcome team. There's prayer team. They're kind of behind the scenes. You don't see them, but they're praying kind of and just supporting our church. We've got our finance team. It's just a lot of people. So I just want to, uh, I wasn't planning on it, but I just want to honor our team and those who give your time and your energy and your passion. Um, our church is growing. Um, we had uh, just under 800 people at church Sunday last week. That's the biggest we've ever had. Uh, almost 100 kids downstairs. So this church is growing. God is moving. He's blessing us in some exciting ways. Um, and that's why we need, you know, our team. Our team is what keeps this growing church happening. And if you've been coming and um, you're willing to contribute to team, please, please let us know. As our church is growing, we, we need more hands. We need more friendly faces. We need more, more people. So, so please, please join us because it's a very exciting time here at Nashville Life. Uh, but let's get into the scriptures uh, let's prepare ourselves. Re repeat these words after me if you can. Say, the word of God is the bread of life. The word of God is the bread of life. May my heart conceive it and my life achieve it. May my heart conceive it and my life achieve it. In the name of Jesus, amen. In the name of Jesus, amen. Awesome. Well, we are talking about freedom this month, for the month of February. This is part two of our freedom topic. Uh, freedom is when the power of God meets the will of an individual. God's power um, does just about all the work. 99.9% is, is the power of God. But there's, there's this very important detail. Uh, it's a small but essential part of, of really seeing God's freedom manifest. And that is the will of the recipient of the freedom. Because whenever God, if you look in scripture, if you see his power, there's always a small element of participation that's needed. Whether it's an instruction, whether it's a confession, whether it's dipping into the lake seven times. I mean, there's always a piece for you and I to do. But man, when that comes together, it is a powerful combination. And this is how freedom Comes. Now, when I say freedom, I mean freedom from both external situations. I believe the Lord. I mean, we have stories in the Bible of him uh, breaking off literal chains and shaking prison doors and, and people walking out free. We've seen people being freed from slavery externally, like physical slavery. But there's also internal freedom, freedom from illness, freedom from addictions, freedom from bitterness, freedom from bondage, and the good news I have for you today is it doesn't matter what kind of bondage you're in, whether it's a, a, an external bondage or an internal bondage, the power of God is able to set you free. Galatians chapter 5, Galatians chapter 5, 
verse 1, Galatians chapter 5, verse 1 says, For freedom. Everyone say freedom. Freedom. Wow, yeah. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. So this scripture clarifies and it, it, it proves that the power of Christ, when Jesus shed his blood on the cross and when he died and he was buried in that tomb and when he rose from the grave on the third day, he purchased freedom for every single person who is in bondage. And according to the Bible, we all were. Um, even if you weren't physically a slave, the Bible says that all of us spiritually were slaves to sin. And Jesus broke that power. And when he sets us free, we are free indeed. But the Bible also has the second part that says do not submit again to a yoke of slavery, which means it is possible to be literally free. And in your free state, choose, willingly choose, maybe under deception, but still willingly choose to admit yourself back under the yoke of slavery that Jesus set you free from. It is possible, believe it or not, it is possible to be actually free and for whatever reason, feel the need to submit yourself. It doesn't, the Bible doesn't say you're kidnapped by the devil. It doesn't say that you're arrested by the devil. It says that you can actually submit yourself back under the yoke of slavery. The Bible says that nothing can separate us from the love of God, and we get so excited, and that is true. But the Bible also says that you can submit yourself again to a yoke of slavery, even after Christ set us free. I don't think any of us want to see that happen in our lives or in the lives of each other. So my question is, how do we prevent this from happening? How do we never submit ourselves to a yoke of slavery again? That is my question. How do we never submit ourselves to a yoke of slavery again? I'm going to ask this for the next five seconds. Just look around the room. Look behind you. Look next to you. Go ahead, please participate. Look up. Look upstairs. Look downstairs. Just look around to the people around you. How do we never submit ourselves again to a yoke of slavery? The answer is everyone that you're looking at around you. Ephesians 5.21 says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. If you want to make sure that you never submit again to a yoke of slavery, then you need to submit to one another in Christ. James 5, uh, 16 says, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Healed is another word for freedom. Freedom and healing can really be interchanged. If you want to be healed, Christ can set you free. If you want to be free, Christ can heal you. They really are kind of the same thing. So you can be forgiven of your sins, but if you want to be free of your sins, if you want to be healed from your sins, James 5 says that it involves the persons around you, the people around you, submitting yourself to each other 
uh, and confessing and being honest with one another. That's what the Bible calls walking in the light. And if you walk in the light where people know about your life, it prevents you from that, that scary place called darkness that many of us have found ourselves in way too much. So it says, submit yourselves to one another out of reverence for Christ. There is a way that you can have relationships with each other that are out of your reverence for Christ. There are relationships that can actually stem from your love and devotion to Jesus. And we'll call those relationships friends in Christ. Friends in Christ. There is something very supernatural when friendships are made in Christ. Not around Christ, not kind of by Christ, but in Christ. When your relationship is rooted in your devotion and your love for Jesus. There's all types of different friendships out there. Some friendships are rooted in common interests. You know, we both like basketball, so we're friends. Some are rooted in common struggles. We were both divorced, and we found common ground and that we've both been through this tough, you know, this tough thing. So that made us friends. Some, some are friends based off of common feelings. You know, we're, we're, we're both, you know, just uh, down in the dumps, and that really brought us close together. Uh, some are friends because of common personalities. We're both outgoing and we love to joke around, so therefore we are friends. And many friendships are based on different things, but there is a friendship that can be rooted in Christ, where Christ is what brought you guys together. Your love and devotion to the Lord is the common ground that is the root base of your friendship. And I can go as far to say there is no friendship that is stronger, that is more enduring, that is more life-giving than a friendship that is found on the basis of your love and devotion for Jesus. Uh, the disciples experienced this. The disciples were a pretty random group of guys. They were guys that outside of their uh, being called by Jesus, a few of them would have probably never been friends outside of their connection with Jesus. Uh, we see this in the early church. The early church was pretty random. There was all of these different kinds of people from different tongues and, and, and languages and nations, uh, nationalities, but it was their love for Christ and their devotion to Christ that made them uh, family. They made, they made them truly friends, and I would go as far to say without Jesus, they probably would have never crossed paths, let alone be tight friends. Um, I'm, I'm going to be honest. I think Nashville Life is pretty random. You know, when you think about us in this place, like, like, I don't think many of us would be all that associated with each other if it wasn't for Jesus. And, and, but, that's, but that's the power of Christ. He can take people that would have never been friends and, and use the power of Christ to bind them together to where we're closer friends than, than any of our friends out, outside these walls. And that, that, that is a possibility. We see it happen in Scripture. Uh, Acts chapter 2, verse 44. Acts chapter 2, verse 44 says, And all who believed were together and had all things in common. Again, y'all, this group of people that they're describing we're from all different nations and cultures. 
It was a, it was a mixed bag. And the Bible says that because they believed, they had all things in common. Now, I don't believe that this means that all of them like the same food. I don't think they all had the same preference for spice levels. I don't think they all had the same color eyes. I don't think they all liked or preferred the same kind of music. But I do believe that the power of Christ, when that is the bond, it is so strong that it overrides every differentiating factor that could be between you and somebody else. That's just how powerful the bond of Christ is. It makes all the other differences sort of fade away because we are rooted in Christ. Had a friend year, years back that was kind of struggling wrapping his mind around uh, Nash, Nashville life uh, socially. And he was just like, man, you know, I just, I just think that if it wasn't for Jesus, like, I just probably wouldn't be friends with any of these people. And I was like, I know, right? Isn't that great? And, and, and what he was looking at as a negative thing, I was seeing as a miracle. Like, I truly believe that this is an amazing group of people. And I think only Jesus Christ could pull off something like this. So I'm not perplexed by it. I'm amazed by it. And I believe it's a testament. And the thing about it is, I don't even give us that much credit. Like, people are like, oh, my God, this is so groundbreaking. I don't think it's that groundbreaking. I've seen this in Scripture from the very beginning. Galatians 3, 28 says, there is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free, neither male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. For this scripture to be written, that means that there must have been Jews and Greeks under the same roof worshiping together. There were slaves and non-slaves worshiping in the same place together. There were males and female. The Lord saying, despite these differences in Christ, you guys are one. And it wasn't just an idea. It wasn't just an ideal goal. It was something that supernaturally happened. And I've seen it happen in my own life. Friendships in Christ are key to our freedom. Friendships in Christ are key to our freedom. You practice walking in freedom with the help of your friends. So that's how it happens. Christ sets you free. Maybe you're in a message and you get delivered or you're at a prayer meeting or a life group and you get delivered from something. Now you have to actually walk this freedom out. You have to actually practice being free. You have to actually practice thinking free, and you do that with the help of your friends. Just like Christ saves us through the, and I say this because some of you guys are like, well, no, it's not about friends, it's about Jesus. And I'm like, okay, just like Christ saves us through the prayers and preaching of each other, Christ saves us and somebody preached to you. The Bible says for you to be saved by Jesus, somebody had to preach to you. So just like he uses uh, and saves us through the prayers and the preaching of others, just like Christ heals us through the laying of hands and prayers of each other, Christ also sets us free through the friendships we have with each other. I owe a ton. I'm speaking from personal experience here. I owe a ton to my friendships. Guys, because the reality is the gospel was planted in me before I was set free. The Holy Spirit was given to me before I was set free. I wasn't set free until I had friends that I could tell the truth to. 
and that I could hear the truth from. And this gospel and this spirit that was lying dormant in my life came alive through the help and the support of my community. My freedom became alive when my social life in Christ became alive. And I had other people that I could share my devotion and my love in Christ with. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9 through 10. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9 through 10 says, Two are better than one. Because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls. For he has no one to help him up. Now, for this scripture, this is in the Bible. And God is everywhere. So it's possible for God to still be in your life but you have no one, which means another person around to help pull you up. And I say that for you guys who are like, well, Jesus is my community. Jesus is my pastor. Jesus, we just got a thing. We got a thing going on. No. God is everywhere and God is with you. But the Bible says that you can, if you don't have someone else around, you will not have that person to help pull you up. Isolation is the enemy of freedom. Some of you guys are upholding your introverted status over the word of God. Some of you guys are wearing, you guys are tidying, you guys are holding your introverted personalities too tightly. And it's causing you to slip into rebellion. You cannot uphold your personality over what the word of God is telling you. Well, God made me this way. God did not make you rebellious. And I'm not, I'm not trying to step on toes, but I just, I'm not trying to step on toes. But I, but I am trying to tell you guys that we, we tend to do this. We put our Enneagram type and our personality types over the word of God. And if the Bible says that you're supposed to be around people, you cannot pull the I'm introverted card. Because God is not going to change his word for you. You have to change yourself for his word. And I say, I, I, I say this because it's killing us. People are literally dying. I just went to my friend's funeral who committed suicide because of isolation. This is not a joke. This is not a religious thing. Isolation leaves you alone with your own thoughts. And when your own thoughts, once, when it's still in your head, it makes, it's a lot easier for the enemy to deceive you when you are living in your own head. And something as simple as having a friend to say, to talk out what you're thinking. There's been times, guys, where my thoughts made so much sense to me. And the minute that I was telling somebody, they sounded so dumb. Sometimes it's just as simple as hearing the thoughts from your ears because somehow in your head they all make so much sense but when you talk you're like you I've stopped myself sometimes being like you know what I'm good this conversation is over this conversation is over 
I'm good. Thanks for, thanks for listening. That's the power of this. My next point, friends lead each other. I saw this before I was a pastor, and I've seen it after as a pastor, and, and after I've been a pastor, and I've seen that friends lead each other just as much, if not more, than leadership. And I used to be like, oh, what do I think about that? I mean, what? that is only bad depending on the friend. That does not mean, that is not necessarily a bad thing if friends, if you guys have more influence with each other, more than even your leaders. Given the friendship, that can be a fine thing or that can be a bad thing. Proverbs 27, 17 says, as iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. Iron sharpening iron is when the spirit of God in you stirs up the spirit of God in your friend. But not every fr friendship is an iron to iron situation. You can't just be like, iron sharpens iron, that's my best friend, iron sharpens iron. N no. It can be, but two friends together don't automatically make this an iron sharpens iron. And the reason why we have scriptures that show that friends can lead you closer to Christ and we have scriptures that show that friends can lead you further away from Christ. 1 Corinthians 15, 33 says, Be not deceived. Evil communications corrupt good manners. Which means you can have a friendship that actually corrupts the good in you. That can actually, you, have, you can have friendships that can make you worse. And I want to clarify, the Bible doesn't say that evil people corrupt good manners. And I think we read it like evil people communicate good manners. And the reason why this is problematic is because you're not going to be friends with anyone that you think is evil. You can't read this like it says evil people corrupt good manners. Because you're never going to befriend someone that you sincerely think is evil. The Bible says evil communications corrupt good manners which means you can actually be friends with a good person and have evil communication and it still corrupt you. You can be friends with someone who is saved, but if the communication is evil, it will corrupt and erode your soul. You thought you just had to avoid bad people. The Bible says avoid bad communication, which you can actually have with a good person. What qualifies as evil communication? Gossip, negative talk, perverted talk, worldly talk, manipulative talk, trivial talk, and unfruitful talk. All of these kinds of speech qualify as evil communication, which is why some of us have gotten tricked because we we're like, how have I become worse? All my friends are saved. How have I become corrupted? All my friends speak in tongues. Because it's not about the person, it's about the communication that's happening between the person. Which is why we have to be wise. Proverbs 12, 26 says, The righteous choose their friends carefully, 
but the way of the wicked leads them astray. There goes that word leads again. You are led by your friends. One way or another. And I want to say this one other thing too because I think there's another, it flips, I don't want to confuse this, but it flips another side to it that I think is important. And I want to make sure it's clear, especially with what our church is about. You know how I said that evil people don't communicate? Don't uh, corrupt good manners, but it's about evil communication. The reason why I love this point um, is because we are actually called in many cases to be friends with sinners. So the cool thing about it is I can actually be friends with an evil person. But if my communication isn't evil, it will actually be a fruitful relationship to me. I have friends who are in my life that are liars and that abuse drugs and that have all kinds of weird practices. But when I talk to them, it's, I'm, the, the communication is edifying and they actually help me grow in Christ. When you have a relationship that is God-ordained, even if it's with a sinner, God can actually use that friendship to make you better. I'll have friendship with people where I'll leave them going, oh, man, I need to read my Bible more because I didn't know the answer to that question. Or, man, they came with a, oh, Lord, help me because I want to make sure I'm ready for the next time that I have, have that pizza with that person. Notice I said pizza, not that shot or not that drink. When you are friends with sinners, you are friends only to lead them closer to the righteousness of God. Guys, remember I said friends lead each other. So when it comes to sinners, you've got to be real careful and make sure that is this friendship, am I the leader in this relationship or are they the leader in this relationship? But we are, we, Jesus was a friend to sinners. And we are all, I believe every, if you don't have an unsaved friend in your life, something's wrong. Don't be condemned, but just make a change. You need to find someone who needs the word of God and needs Jesus that you are in communication with. Now, again, it's not, it's not going to be necessarily uh, the same dynamic. You've got to make sure that the roles are clear in your heart. Are we, all, are we clear? Okay. Okay, last part. Um, we play a large role in our spiritual growth and our success. And, I'll, and I'm saying this as the preacher. I truly believe that there is greater influence amongst each other than even I have with you. Because, I, you know, I'll, I'll teach my message. You know, I have my 35 minutes. But, but your friends are who you're talking to way more than me. I'm not at lunch with a lot of you guys after. I'm not in the text thread with you guys. Y'all spend most of the time with each other. And, and that's the cool thing that we see this even with Jesus. I mean, Jesus had his relationship with disciples, but the disciples also had their relationships with each other. Luke chapter 10, verse 1 through 3. After these things, Luke chapter 10, verse 1 through 3. After these things, the Lord appointed 70 others also and sent them two by two before his face into every city and place where he himself was about to go. 
Then he said to them, the harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go your way. Behold, I send you out as lambs amongst, among wolves. Jesus was their teacher, but for their growth, he had them practice his teachings together. If you look, he always had them either paired up or tripled up. He always had them processing his, his gospel and his truth and his concepts together. Matthew 18, 20 says, For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. The reason why God wants us in connection with each other is because when Jesus Christ and his power is paired with relationships, it sparks something fierce. It sparks something that makes the gospel come alive. Acts chapter 2, verse 42. This is after the day of Pentecost and the early church. It says, and they, can we all say they? They, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. I had you all say they because it was the collective devotion. It was not just one person devoted, but it was them being devoted to the teachings of the apostle, which is leadership. So they would hear the teachings of, of the leader, but then they would fellowship. So they would have time to hear from God, but then they would discuss it with each other. There was that human connection. They had the breaking of bread, but they also had prayer. And I truly believe that everyone, we all need to make sure that we have that happening in our lives. Yes, you want to be spiritually just connected to God, but you need to have those human connections as well. It's the combination of both that really makes the gospel come alive and it causes the church to grow. It was this combination of hearing from God, but then fellowshipping with one another and then breaking bread and eating with each other, but also being in prayer. It's almost like the marriage between heaven and earth. Bringing the kingdom of heaven to earth. It's really what Jesus was. He was God and he was man. Amen. There's the combination of the two that's very relevant to our existence. Jesus was God and man. So he had the spirit of God, but he also was, had the human connection as well. And all of us need to make sure if we want to be complete, if we want to be fruitful, if we want to multiply, we must make sure that we both have the component of the spirit but also the human connection to process and practice the things of the spirit with. This is key to our existence. Every Christian needs friends in Christ. I was talking to one of my leaders back, and it was kind of a weird time in my friend life. And I was like, well, you know, I just, you know, I think God is just saying, you know, just, you know, maybe I just need him and him alone, you know. And he was like, that's not, that's not true. You, you, he wants, you need to have people in your life. And, like, he really saved me from going down this road of thinking, I guess it's just his will that I don't, no, man, like, God's, now, it might not happen when you want it to happen. You might have to wait and be patient for it. But 
we should never lose our grip on the fact that, Lord, do you want me to have friends in, 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 in you? That's something that we, we have to know that it's his will for our lives. And the reason why is because sometimes you might be discouraged, and it might not happen when you think, and you might be quick, almost like that, that person who, you know, tries to speak in tongues, they don't, and they go, well, maybe God doesn't want me to speak in tongues. We can kind of do that. When things don't happen in our time, we kind of jump to conclusions and say, well, maybe it's not his will. You know, you know, I don't know. Same with friends. I've tried, so maybe I've just kind of accepted that maybe it's just not his will, and that's not true. Every Christian needs friends in Christ. You need friends to enjoy, friends to resolve conflict with each other, friends to forgive each other, friends to repent to each other, friends to confess our sins to each other, friends to eat with each other, friends to discuss the scriptures with each other. Friends to bring back each other from going astray. Friends to tell each other the truth. The last scripture, John 15, 12. Jesus says, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. Let us pray. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you that you were a friend to us, God. You laid down your life because you saw that we were slaves to our sin. You saw that we were slaves to this world, God. And you wanted to set us free. God, so you laid down your life and shed your blood and purchased our freedom and when you rose from the grave, you rose with power to break chains. Lord, when you rose from the grave, you also established something called your church. A group of people that would be devoted collectively to your mission, to your word, to your ways. And you called us to live in freedom, to walk in the light by being open and loving and affectionate and honest with each other. God, I pray, Lord, that you would bless this church to be a church of friends, God. A church where our love for you is what binds us together. And Lord, from that connection, Lord, let great freedom come. And Lord, let it remain and let it grow. And bless it as we devote ourselves to your uh, doctrine and to teaching, but also commit ourselves to eating with each other and, and, and hanging out with each other and talking about the word together and, and building each other up together and, and, and edifying one another and spurring each other on. Go, Lord, bless and touch this community to where we will multiply. And Lord, let it be like the book of Acts where you add to our number daily because people are walking in freedom with each other. Lord, this world is so lonely. Lord, and people have given up hope that there can be a community and a family for them, especially something as rich as a, a friendship in Christ, God, a, a community that's rooted in you, Lord. So let us be an example of what walking in freedom together looks like. Anoint this church. Anoint everybody here, everyone watching online. 
Lord, let us trust you for those friends. And Lord, let us also put ourselves out there as well. I bind up all rejection and nightmares from high school and all the things that cause us to isolate and expect rejection and all the stuff that we tell ourselves, God. We just rebuke all of those things. We pray for the love of God to rise up and set us free. Thank you, Lord, for friendships. Thank you for this family. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to ask us all to stand. I want to ask for the prayer team to get in position. We are about to dismiss, but the most important time is when we all get to accept this Lord Jesus into our hearts. Christ is the one who has the power to set us free. Christ is the one who can provide for you the true friendships that will give you life and that you can give life to. So if you want this Jesus, the one who can provide you everything you need and more, repeat these words after me because when he's Lord of your life, he is going to change your life for the better and he will actually use you to help bring change to other people's lives as well. So repeat these words and say, Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I confess that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I believe that he died on the cross for my sins and was raised from the dead on the third day. Forgive me of my sins. Make me a new person in Christ. Lord Jesus, I choose you to be the Lord of my life. Fill me with the Holy Spirit so I can live for you. Every day, in the name of Jesus, I pray. Let's all say amen together, and let's celebrate the goodness and mercy of Jesus. Let's offer up one big praise before we go. Lord, we love you. We honor you. We bless you. We thank you. Before we go, I want to remind you that this prayer team is here for you if you need prayer for anything. If you would like to give, you can give online or our finance team can help you in the lobby. And then lastly, we have next steps at 1 o'clock today. I would love to see you there if you can. But have a great rest of your morning. Enjoy this afternoon. For those of you who are watching the bowl, I hope your team wins. Uh, and we'll see you all next week. Bye.